the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is an AV Nation special, interactive, digital, out of home. It's Tom Albright with an AV Nation special previewing DSC, the digital signage event happening March 4th. Uh, and with me to uh, join me to, as a preview of one of my panels talking about outdoor uh, digital signage. Uh, first and foremost, Stephanie Gutnick from Outfront. Welcome, ma'am. Hi. Uh, and also with us is our buddy Emil Vandekovering from Las Vegas. Welcome, sir. And, and Socialer is, is the name of his, uh, his company, but I say Vegas because today in St. Louis, it's negative four. So I'm a little jealous, brother. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let, let's kind of, kind of look at this guys. Um, the event again, March 4th, we're going to take an entire day with, with Megan Dutta and the folks at SCEN and AV nation and all sorts of really smart folks. You can sign up for it at the digital uh, signage event.com. You can get almost five CTS RUs for those of you that have CTSs um, today. And, and, and for our panel, our time together, we're going to talk about digital signage out of, out of home, right? DOH. Um, Second, I'm going to start with you. One of the things that that integrators and dealers have looked at for the last probably five or 10 years is looking at, at digital signage as another revenue stream, as another avenue for them. Because, you know, obviously they already sell a lot of the displays, obviously the mounts, they're getting more and more into networking. So they've got the, that, that part, but sometimes they don't have the other part, right? The creating the network, the starting the network part. How, how what advice would you give um, somebody getting into this part of how you would start a network? Well, I think it's a great time to be joining the industry as someone starting off a network because we have about a decade of digital signage experience and monetizing these screens to help leapfrog and just learn from best practices and mistakes to avoid. And the industry is really great at just being completely transparent in findings over this time, particularly if you're joining an association like the Digital Signage Federation, little plug there, the DPAA, the OAAA, whatever it is, there's a community of people who are involved who've been through, uh, you know, the, the hard work of establishing these networks. So I'd say the biggest ask of someone who's saying, okay, I'd like to monetize these screens is what's the purpose? You know, who is going to want to advertise on these screens and which types of viewers are you going to be targeting so that your screens actually have some value to these advertisers. And that's where play space typically comes into play, depending on whether it's um, you know, a, a shopping situation, retail, QSR even, and I could go on. There's different audiences who have different types of demographics um, that are of interest. But really, again, it just goes back to making sure who would be interested in advertising on these screens and then how you're going to demonstrate their value and the how is very much, okay, nice screens that are well-situated in places that are going to be noticed as we all know um, by these consumers and then measuring who is seeing it. Measurement can be done through, at least here in the States, Geopath um, or some of the camera-based if that's something that your company is into and the venue would allow. There's many different types of measurement opportunities, mobile. Um, so it's one that best suits the venue. And this will give you the impression data, the audience data 
that you'll need to then allocate a cost per thousand or a CPM to your screens that you can then put out there in a trusted way. And again, um, if possible, the measurement provider to be MRC accredited, that's just another way uh, to make it easy for advertisers to come to you and spend their money with confidence. Well, I mean, let's bring you on, on this. Well, first of all, it, and this is my own role uh, when, when it comes to acronyms. If I know it, I need to define it. If I don't, I'm going to ask you. I know QSR, Quick Serve Restaurant. Uh, so, you know, shorthand for that, at least here in the States, is fast food, but not necessarily all fast food, but QSR is Quick Serve Restaurants. Uh, primarily not, you know, you've got a, a, some sort of, of um, drive through or you walk up to where you have a, a counter there, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, Emil, let's talk about measuring here. And, and, and uh, you know, when, when it comes to that, Stephanie brought, brought in, you know, the CPM, the cost per thousand. Uh, my old media background automatically understands what that is. And, and you know, this, you know you, when you're talking about whether it's TV or radio or even, you know, magazines, this is the cost per thousand audience members. So in other words, let's take radio. And again, this is 100 years ago when I was, we were selling between 10 and 20 bucks per, per thousand, right? TV was a considerably more of that, but when it comes to, to these measuring tools, you know, and you start talking to, you know, clients as well as, as the dealers that are helping them out, what is the, the most efficient, I guess, way, or what, what is the most common way to, to start measuring, uh, measuring the audience and measuring the inventory that's available? I, I think that, that is more of a question for, uh, for Stephanie. Stephanie as, all right. Yeah, so as far as uh, our, our business goes, we create content and we create interactive content, we create different forms of content. And uh, what she mentioned is the biggest thing of, of this digital signage industry is that it's very transparent uh, and we're constantly experimenting with these different ways of measuring. Um, so what we like to do is we actually adapt our content and cre uh, create our content in such a way that it works with all these different measurement systems. And that good, it goes really far. It goes from uh, from some simple geopad tracking uh, mechanisms into uh, full-on uh, facial tracking. And uh, we like to experiment and we like to like go across that full spectrum. Uh, but we work with partners, and I think that's the biggest thing. If you're if you're looking into um, uh, like monetizing your signs and monetizing your screens, you go and look for. A, a, a good partner that can help you and can help you guide through this big world of digital signings. Like there's dec like a decade worth of, of uh, experimenting already done and uh, you can learn everything from that. All right, Stephanie, so bring you on this. What's, what's the best or the most efficient way to measure your audience? So um, as, I, as I mentioned, it's going to depend on the venue and um, different venues will have different best practices or methods and, and measurement providers that can help out with these things. Um, and if anyone has a question this, you know, this is the venue that I'm hoping to create a network in, you know, who do I use? Just shoot anybody, I think, on this podcast or that you know of in the industry and know, and they'll find a person who's done it before and can give some suggestions. It's really interesting that you mentioned the CPMs, the, the cost per thousands, of, uh, of radio and TV uh, because out of home traditionally has had a pretty low economical CPM, just it's a broadcast medium. You can gain a, a great uh, sizable audience at scale for a relatively low price. But even as a new 
network operator, it doesn't mean that you have to you know, discount what your CPM would be just to get some traction with buyers. There are established ranges for out of home. Um, you can charge extra line items and CPMs based on audience targeting and certain elements like this. And I would just say from, from what I've seen, it would be a mistake to go in at a low CPM just because you want to get some traction with your network. So you can partner up with other networks perhaps to gain a broader view or consumer journey and really just find different ways to productize. But I guess the one takeaway again is don't be shy in comparison to other media in which out of home is used as a compliment in campaigns. Uh, the prices are just relatively going to be a bit on the lower side. Maybe as an industry, we can work together to increase those. I like that. I like that. Uh, I mean, one thing that, that you uh, and, and obviously Stephanie have watched over the last number of years, and that is this shift to, to programmatic buying. And uh, really quickly, and I'm going to get this horribly wrong, so both of you feel free to correct me on this. In, in years past, and, and you, know, you, you would have purchased a board or a screen for a month right? Or a six month kind. So these are longer term contracts. Think, you know, billboard type, you know, purchases, right? Where I'm going to buy, you know, the, the screen in Times Square and I'm going to, that's mine for six months or that's mine for, for a year or what have you. And that's the same content. Nowadays, because of the digital delivery and because of the ability to mail, um, they can buy it for a day, for an hour, for a specific hour, right? Because the, the technology is, is advanced enough to where we can, you can tell the end client, okay, this is the highest volume. This is where the highest traffic is, or this is when the highest traffic is for this specific demographic, right? So if you're looking for women, well, more women pass by this screen during eight and, and 10 every day. So I want to buy that. How does that impact the creative Emil, when you start getting into programmatic buying and you start getting into programmatic content creation? Well, the, the main thing is that you can just start targeting your content super narrow. So you can actually say, I want to target, uh, I, I want to target a female group or I want to target uh, this group. And you can create the content for that, but also making sure that that content gets displayed for the, the people that you want to reach. And I think that was, a, I mean, of course, th that was possible before, but it's basically your you're doing a big broadcast, you're hoping that you're reaching the right people. And now you got this quantifiable data that you're like, you're actually reaching these people. And you can say, hey, I want only this, this half hour because uh, there's a specific event happening or the specific thing happening. And that makes that board uh, and that board space a lot more valuable for you uh, as the consumer to, uh, uh, to advertise on. Very good. Stephanie, same kind of question for you. Um, how, how does this impact the selling, right? How does this impact, you know, the delivery and as well as the, the network creation when you start looking at programmatic buying and, and how does this, you know, further the industry down the road when it comes to, you know, really kind of delivering for your client? I believe it all goes back down to value. And so in the same way that I suggested new network operators understand who they're going to be let's understand what the KPIs are of this campaign because, you know, it could be, yeah, we'll run it for an hour because we can, but is that the best thing for the goals of your campaign and out of homes role in it? So as a network operator, it's important just to understand how we can best help, um, you know, new clients or buyers to our space. Most get 
get the most out of the budget that they're spending. Um, and look, with programmatic, it is easy to spread that budget around with these non-guaranteed campaigns. Um, but there's still a lot of advertisers making use of terms or, you know, those year-long, multi-year-long um, buys of a single screen or certain screens in different areas to be strategically located for a brand. And kind of going back to the creative aspect of that too, like from a sales point, great, we have this perm, but it doesn't mean that you just drop your interactions with the client for that entire time. Um, you know, advertising wear out is a real thing. And uh, from academic journals anyways, I believe it's about three weeks without a home uh, for that to kick in. So we want repeated you know, interactions with the same amount of creative to, to really make sure that that effect is sinking in. But then let's not have people ignore it. So if you've sold a perm or if it's a programmatic deal that's like, you know, less amount of time, just make sure you're refreshing that content and you're keeping it targeted to a meal's point. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with ha having a, a, like a longer term contract and having something where you uh, still have that same board space for a month, as long as you know what you're doing with it. And I think that's the biggest thing of everything of this is that, uh, that space has a certain value, but it's all on how you use it um, to, to utilize that. If you, if you just use the same piece of content over and over, it's going to be a completely different uh, experience than maybe playing in on, on current topics and doing things and, and have people even like it, interactive doesn't mean necessarily that I have to like click on it or do something with it. It could also be playing on the news, playing on what's going on and having people talk about it. I mean, especially nowadays, have, like having people talk about something or having uh, that as part of the experience and utilizing that could make your one uh, minute ad uh, blow up to, to millions. Um, it's all, of, all about how you use it. Yeah, Emil, you're so right. A lot of the activity that we see uh, in terms of our home measurement, it's online. It's people talking about it in social media, taking photos of the billboard or of themselves with the billboard. Uh, so that's just a really great way to make out of home multi-channel and taking this out of home campaign into the internet provides even more measurement opportunities and retargeting opportunities. So it kind of goes full circle. And I, I couldn't agree with you more about that. All right, well, let's, let's get into something else that we, that you guys have been doing. And that's, that's the interactive part, right? And that is, you know, giving people, um, the, the, the audience, right. The folks that are consuming this content, um, something more than just a pretty picture, right. <laughs> not, not to, not to, to discount that, but more than just a, a, a flat or even a moving image. Emil, when it comes to interactive, how, I guess, from a technical standpoint, but also from a, a design standpoint, how do you go down that road and, and, and what do you, you know, what are we able to, what are you able to deliver to clients when it comes to interactive and, and, and kind of, you know, get that engagement up a little bit more? Well, you, you, you say like, instead of just the static image or, st or, or uh, that moving image, the thing is, again, it, it all comes down to uh, delivering things at the right time. So it could also, it could be a, a static image or it could be that, uh, but you're just playing in on like maybe a certain topic that just happened or is a thing that is uh, trending and, and you're utilizing that on your board at the right time and making it interactive that way uh, is also 
definitely a great way to go. Uh, other things that we normally look at is we look at like, okay, what is, what is the, the, the goal and what is the board that we're uh, making this content for? What are the capabilities and how can we maybe push these capabilities a little bit? Because even things that are, that are like uh, from like an older generation of, of, of boards or hardware and then see like, hey, how about we use this board in a slightly different way so that people still have that same feeling when they look at it and they go, oh, wow, I didn't know that that was possible or I didn't know that it could do that. And that goes a long way as well. So um, both, both looking at what the goal is of the specific client and seeing like how much stretch you have there. And then also this timing, timing of when to deliver certain pieces of content and making sure that maybe you have a method of doing that even in older boards uh some some boards don't even have the proper scheduling options and uh utilizing that linking it um to the cloud and making sure that you can um uh do that more more accurately well in 70 same same question to you only on the on the other side of it is, is how do we sell that how do we uh deliver that to the client both from a a, a uh, process standpoint, you know, getting out of them, what exactly is they're trying to do when it comes to interactive? Clients love anything that's new or out of the box, right? So, you know, first, just making sure that your network is capable of delivering whatever level of interactivity you're proposing that needs to happen before you sell it to the client or maybe run some tests or, you know, use a meals company to make it easier on yourselves. Um, that's all, that's all, you know, a good idea. And then when it comes down to it, uh, look, there's a lot that you can do with augmented virtual reality that is super cool and still kind of nascent in our space and, and growing. Um, but to Emil's point, even just making the content dynamic so that based on a live you know, data feed, um, whether it's by time of day, the content changes or based on the weather in that screen specific location, whether or not an ad is going to play depending on different variables. These are different ways that you can sell that the advertiser can make the best use of their money and also just hit consumers like something that's really popular that we'll see out of Australia sometimes is like ice cream will be advertised when it's above a certain temperature. And that just makes sense, though I'm an ice cream, you know, consumer all the time, <laughs> even when Amen. it's winter in Canada, like it is right now. But um, so there's that. And then I would also suggest, again, if we're thinking about building something up from scratch as a new network operator, the simpler, the better. Honestly, like we don't have to get carried away. Um, QR codes have become a lot more popular in the U.S., I feel, uh, than they were before, thanks to to COVID and you know ordering from different menus, and I think yeah. consumers are more open to that now, especially with technology. You don't have to have a special app; you just kind of scan it. So put a QR code on your screen if it's you know place based and within easy reach, or if it's a website or a number to send an SMS text to. Just make it really easy um, for consumers to grasp your CTA call to action uh, right when they're seeing it and. You know, carry on. No, absolutely. All right. Uh, as we wrap up here, let's talk about the design process of this. And, and uh, we were talking beforehand and Emil said something interesting that I want to bring out here. And that is start with the content before you ever get to the screen. Explain that to me, Emil. 
So, I mean, we, we deal with a lot, especially here in Vegas, you deal with a lot of uh, venues and places that start thinking about, okay, we're going to get the biggest screen and, and the most impact by doing that. Uh, and then think of the content afterwards. And uh, so they, they, they got these amazing tools that they can work with, but then they, ha they don't have the content that goes along with it. And what we always recommend is, is making sure that that talk and, and, uh, about content and about how to utilize the screen is something that takes place while you're designing the hardware, maybe even while you're designing the building. Um, because then you can make sure that you utilize that uh, space a lot better, but it also makes sure that you have like a longevity of your board, of your process. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest and, and best screen, but it can also be the screen maybe that has uh, that is more flexible, that is more flexible and transparent that you can actually have these measurement points built in from, uh, from the start, uh, having the, the, the different uh, sensors, light sensors, temperature sensors all built in, uh, which makes your board so much more useful than a, than a giant board that doesn't really have, it's not smart, so to say. And that mean, means that you can utilize that board way more often in, in, in all these interactive scenarios. Uh, so we advise to think about that beforehand or during, and that will allow for uh, much better content, much better artworks, um, and, and also making it uh, more measurable, more interactive. And that's what you want to do if you, uh, if you start building this out. Well, and, and Stephanie, take that same kind of thought process, but but going to pull that string a little bit farther out to where when you start renewing that or, or replacing the screen, right? Um, all three of us have been in the middle of Times Square more than once, uh, and those screens have gone through a transformation, I would say, in the last three or four years. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure there might be one or two screens that are still left from, from 10 years ago, but I think pretty much all of them now uh, have been replaced with, with various ones. Talk about, you know, as you're replacing that, you know, looking ahead to your content, looking ahead to what you have now in your content and what you might want to, you know, in the next year or so. Keeping in mind, I think the aspect ratios that are most common in our space is a big one. So what we're seeing right now is buyers of other media coming through, say, the programmatic channel have creatives that they've established for the campaign and like a mobile banner ad or online. For say a billboard um, or a screen in a different venue, and totally fine. You know, we want to carry very similar qualities from the overall campaign into the out-of-home environment. But if you're going to blow up a mobile banner ad into a Times Square spectacular, you'll want to redo the creative and make it unique to out-of-home. So I'd say just as a network operator, offering those services um, is, is very helpful in terms of, okay, you have existing creative. This is how we're going to help you adapt it to our screens and our formats. All right. Very good. That'll be a good place to stop. Thank you all so much. Emil Vandercovering from Socialer. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you? Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter uh, at Escapation uh, or at Socialer, of course, my company. Um, and we have you to chat over there. All right, very good. Stephanie Gutnick, thank you so much from Outfront. How do people connect with you or Outfront? Yeah, Stephanie Gutnick on LinkedIn, Outfront, um, same thing. 
All right, very good for us, for AV Nation. Uh, you can go by our website, but right now go by the, the Digital Signage uh, Event uh, website, thedigitalsignageevent.com. You can sign up and uh, get yourself almost five CTSRUs, technically 4.75. Hang out with Stephanie and, and Emil and myself uh, for an hour that day. And also uh, our buddy Megan Dutta, and as she does a couple of, of panels as well. Great, great, fantastic uh, keynote. Uh, and the one thing about these virtual events that I actually do like, and I'm not quite sure how to, to translate this into, into the physical world, but the, the, the interaction that we've gotten uh, during the events have, has actually driven some of the content and driven some of the questions. Uh, Emil can tell you this because he and I have been actually on both sides. We, 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 we played the peanut gallery and we've been on, 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 uh, on panels before, but where the, the, the audience has driven some of the content with some of the comments, right? So that's, that's really kind of cool. So join us and, and, and throw some, some questions for us there. So the digital signage event.com. We'll see you March 4th, uh, or you can go by avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. 